Hello, Curve Community. It's me. It's me. Hi. Hi. Problem, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> I do wish I could sing, like, of all the things. I wish you could sing as well. I know, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Um, the point of interrupting this podcast before we've even got into it is actually just to ask you a really quick favor. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, it might be Spotify, it might be Apple. If you are listening, but you don't follow or subscribe, it's quite problematic for us. It really doesn't help in terms of getting into charts, in terms of building our audience and that kind of thing. So because there's such a small amount of you that follow us. 2%. 2% of you follow us. <laughs> I know, it's very low. And I don't know why. I think it's just that people don't realize it's helpful. So people probably just haven't done it yet. Or maybe they don't like us. But why oh. would you listen week after week? Exactly. Or even, you know, I don't think it's that. I hope it's not that. So, but if you do like the podcast and you enjoy the conversations that we're having and you think that this is something you want to stick around for a while, um, it would really help us if you could please hit the follow, the subscribe. If you want to leave a review, go for it. But honestly, like the number one thing is just following the show so that you, you know, all the episodes are downloaded automatically. Follow us, please. Yeah, yeah, follow us. It takes two seconds. That would be amazing. Like you could have done it by now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have done it. Maybe. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to the Curve Podcast, a conversation for women who want to learn more about money, their money, for the future they want to have. We're all busy in the pursuit for financial confidence and increasing your wealth should be a simple one. This podcast is for women to learn about investing in a non-scary or intimidating way. With short episodes, you'll have time to learn, digest and understand everything to do with the world of investing. So thank you for being here and for listening, because together we really can raise the curve. Firstly, I want to start, we put a post on our Instagram a while ago. Um, Some of you may have seen it, some of you may have not, but it got a lot of engagement and I just wanted to reiterate it here on the podcast because it is very, very relevant. So here we go. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Did you want to drum roll or something? (laughs) Waiting. So in the US, 6% of the S&P 500 companies, so that's the top 500 companies on the US stock market, they have a female CEO. So that's only 31 companies out of the top top 500. Uh, In Australia, it's not much better. It's about 7% or 14 companies um, in the ASX 200. So the main index there. And in New Zealand, drum roll. roll. (laughs) Uh, We have 8%. So we're we're winning, but it's off a very, very low base. Um, So we have four companies in the NZX 50 with a female CEO. Four out of 50. Four out of 50. And one of those... We have in the makeshift studio. <laughs> uh, Jolie, thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Honestly, um, we could have Justin Bieber and Vic would be more excited to be talking to you. Uh, marginally, marginally. No, <laughs> no uh, thank you for coming in. So Jolie is the CEO of Spark, so one of New Zealand's uh, top 50 companies and publicly listed on the stock exchange. But the other great thing about Spark is I love my enthusiasm. I'm like <laughs> honestly, I'm very impressed. I want to listen to the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to sit back, relax, and eat some popcorn. Um, no. So the other great thing about Spark, um, while it is great, it's also very unfortunate. But uh, 
Spark is the only company on the NZX50 that has a female CEO and a female chairperson, um, which is amazing. Could we maybe explain the difference between a chairperson and a CEO? Yeah. Because honestly, that sounds like the same thing to me. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So a chairperson um, sits on our board. So our our chair is Justine Smythe, and you're right. um, We are the only NZX50 with both a female chair and a female CEO. So CEO is obviously running the business. The chair um, sits and helps to govern the business. Um, from uh, from that board. Yeah. The only so the thing board I tells would... the CEO what to do. <laughs> uh, we so ha- board, yeah, in some, some instances, <laughs> yes. Well, yes, the, in, in some and ways the chair is my boss. Yes, yes that's absolutely yeah. right. Also, the chairperson is kind of almost like the the advisory board in a way. So they're not super involved on a day-to-day basis, but they're, is that right? Well, boards meet regularly and mm. not any particular, um, if there was a big issue running or something that we needed them to be involved on, they'd absolutely be part of that. So they probably meet uh, eight to nine times a year plus separate committees. So there is a, there's a process for which mm. we engage quite regularly, but day-to-day running of the business sits with the CEO and the yeah. leadership team oh, that supports me. I'm so impressed. And it's so, so inspiring. I know. And it's like... <laughs> Why why are we here? Like in terms of having only one company. We're just gonna start real lightly here. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I think it very hurts though. Um no, I mean it is great to see that there is at least one company, but I guess from your point of view, why are there not more female CEOs and chairwomen in, in, in the industry or in you know, in the in publicly listed companies? So when I think about um, CEOs, part of it's having the opportunity to do the line roles. So when talking about sort of operational roles within your business um, prior to getting that chance to be considered a CEO. So one of the things that I think about my career and what's helped me um, uh, have that opportunity to be considered for CEO is the chance to work in a number of different parts of our business. So whether that's in our customer side of the business, whether that's our technology. I was a CFO for three and a bit years at um, Spark as well. So it's that opportunity, providing opportunity early enough in people's careers that they are in the right place to be considered. And that's one of the things I think a lot about in terms of succession and what's happening. How do you create more? What I would say is um, there are more people coming through. If I think about my leadership team, roughly um, 60, 40, female, male as well. But when I look across to, and, and um, one thing, no, other thing I'd note is the two of the banks have both um, female CEOs and female chairs, so Westpac and ASB, although they're owned by the Australian parents, the reality is they're large organisations within our country. So we are starting to see more, but it's still a long way to go Mm -hmm. from certainly any kind of even or 40-40-20 type approach um, at an exec level. Yeah, like I look at those stats and I'm like, we're half the population. Like surely that should be at least somewhere towards 50-50. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a big focus, certainly in the years in the last, I've been back in New Zealand for about a decade, and in that time I've seen a greater shift and I look across sort of the leadership teams of um, of peer groups and other companies and I see more people coming through and being in that position. Mm. But it, it takes quite a big um shift in terms of yeah and boards thinking a lot around succession and what do they want in succession and talent in their organization how are they thinking about placing people in roles and giving them that opportunity do you think there's a level of not mistrust but do you think in all honesty there are still some men in leadership roles that potentially don't think women leaders are going to do as good a job like because it just seems to me quite crazy to think that I understand the generational movement and whatnot but there are so many powerful successful clever 
woman that I'm sure would love to be in a role of a CEO. I just don't understand why there haven't been, yeah, more chance. I mean, I know this is totally not, <laughs> it's not your fault, but I'm just curious to hear what your yeah. thoughts yeah. are. Yeah, look, I guess in, in anything, people are going to have different perspectives. Some of those will, you know, you're, you're um, aligned to, others you'll think, hmm, that's a bit old-fashioned, or have they been given the opportunity? Um, all I can say is the more we talk about, the more we put people into positions that give them a chance to build skills, mm-hmm. and we um, give them a chance to build profile of what you require in, in a role like a CEO, the more opportunity we're going to have to see more CEOs. And absolutely, there are a lot of capable people out there. So I, I don't have any concern about there's a lack of depth. Mm. It's really around creating the opportunities. It's also having kind of someone in your corner, you know, that's like, go for it, go for that job. Not being like, oh, no, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Like having someone be like, well, why not? Why aren't you good enough? And so I think, yes, it's having the opportunities, but I think we're sometimes our own worst enemy being like, oh, no, I don't have 100% of the skills for that job, so I won't go for it. Whereas yeah, an equivalent male might be like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. And so we kind of you know, shoot ourselves in the foot that way sometimes. And I think part of that also comes down to um, sponsorship within organisations. So the mm. difference between, say, mentoring yeah. and sponsorship is I put my reputation on the line to recommend somebody into a role. Mm. Okay, yeah. And how many people have that opportunity? Have they got people who are sponsoring them? In the same way I had, say, if I think back four or five years ago when Simon, who was our CEO, mm. moved me into one of our business units to really look, to get that front line um, leadership experience and operational experience he sponsored me into that effectively mm-hmm. and our board supported that shift from CFO to into that role so those you know you need people like that who are prepared to take um, put their reputation and take some risk within that it's balanced risk though yeah like anyone you if you're given the right set of um, uh, circumstances then you will flourish if, if you've got that real desire as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a combination of um, making choices that you step forward towards risk. Mm-hmm. So I've had, to, uh, you know, I've shifted industries, I've shifted countries, I've shifted, um, whether you call it functional expertise, from finance through to running a business. Yeah. That isn't without risk. So you've also got to be, put, be able to put yourself in that place that you're comfortable to take that and, and really have that appetite to learn and own your own career you need things around you to help support that, but taking ownership of what you want to do mm. and um, having those conversations, I think, to your point, and then uh, being focused on what you do bring to a role, yeah, not what any deficit might be. And I think we there's a huge generalisation, but there can tend to be that that sort of sends back and says, what I don't have yeah. versus all the things I do have. Oh, That's, I'm so guilty oh, of that. <laughs> That's so inspiring, though. And I think there's... um. What I thought was quite interesting about that answer was, yes, because to your point, Vic, I 100% agree. I think there's such a lack of representation and seeing someone like you in such a powerful role, it will be so inspiring for so many young women. But at the same time, it is that like, okay, strap in, take some risks, do the things you need to do, study, look at other CEOs. What are they doing? How did they get there? Yeah. You can't it's not just to sit just back come. and assume, assume you're going to just stroll into a CEO position. Yeah. No, and I think um, having people around you, everyone needs what I call kind of their crew or their people yeah. um, that are there. You know, they're the ones that give you the hard feedback, but they're also the ones that are there to support you. And finding those people in your life mm. is really important, I think, to help support no matter what role you're in at a different time. And I think they're also great feedback and um, sounding board when things 
Did you have any mentors or people who helped you to make those slightly scarier, riskier decisions when it comes to your career? So when you think about the shift, so I worked in um, worked for Lion, so in Australia, Kiwi, but moved over offshore uh, oh dear. In, <laughs> into FMCG. The conversation over. Okay, am I done this podcast? <laughs> so I went over there for a period of time and um, yeah, had a whole lot of different roles and, and learned a lot, had to children while I was there as well but um, it came to a point where I was contacted when I was back in New Zealand visiting family over Christmas to say hey there's a potential role coming up at Telecom are you interested in Telecom Telecom yeah, yeah. so long ago my dad worked at Telecom <laughs> still got the old hat like the cap that says Telecom oh, many people oh, in New Zealand have yeah, worked for Telecom oh, over the years yeah. um, and so but that was through someone who had worked with me who had been um, I guess a sponsor yeah. who put my name into consideration, put the thing in front of me, because I wouldn't have necessarily seen it having not been here. Mm. Um, and that started the process. It doesn't, get, you know, your capability gets you the job. But the fact that someone is prepared to reach out and say, hey, have you seen this? Would you be interested in coming in to have a chat with the team here? Yeah. And that's how it started for me. So that's having that sponsorship. I remember my very first job in producing was um, one of my guy friends put me forward for it, actually. It was for the Edge like JJ, Mike and Dom 10 years ago and they were looking for a producer and his name was Ryan McGuire and he was like, oh, I went to broadcasting school with my friend Sophie. I think she'd be brilliant at that. And that's the only reason. I would never have even heard about that job. And and then from there I went over to Australia and then I did, worked on Survivor and all of my career progression, honestly, had I not got that job, I, I wouldn't be doing the curve right now. Yeah, so, so that's a perfect example of it in play there that someone is prepared to actually put you forward um, and back. And I think the thing with that is amazing for both of us. I mean, I'm not sure if yours was a, a man or a woman who put you forward, oh. but was it a guy? No, it was a, it was a woman. Oh, it that's was, cool. It's our current chair. Oh, oh, that's amazing. She wasn't the chair when um, she was on the board, but she wasn't the chair. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. No, I think like, you know, it, it is about lifting each other up and at the same time thinking about people who might not have connections and thinking about, well, how can they then, if they don't have anyone that's in a position of power, what, what can they do to try and put themselves in a place where maybe they could get yeah. put mm. forward? Like I'm sitting here, I'm like, I want to help someone, you know? Like, I'm like, yeah, who we, can I help? <laughs> well, it is a big thing I think a yeah. lot about when people reach out or I um, through different things I do, I'm involved with On Being Bold, which is all around helping um, women succeed yeah. in business. So it is thinking about people have helped me through my career. What, what do you do? to give back and that's one of the things I do or with through Global Women um, and Champions which is really around CEOs working together to shift that that gender diversity in business and broader inclusion. I would kind of talk about how it's like I definitely work in a male-dominated industry but there is definitely men within that industry that have helped significantly. It's a hard balance because yeah. we don't also on this podcast and with the Curve brand we don't want to be hating on guys. No, it's not what no, the point of this yeah. is at all. Yeah. It's more just unfortunately the statistics are it's so much lower um, in terms of the the amount of women that are in those roles, so it's it's definitely not a like, oh, men suck because they're obviously amazing and they're very good at yeah. in leadership roles. <laughs> it's more just a curiosity yeah. around how how can we understand your journey and learn from that. And I think that's partly also uh, how you work with peers and things in other companies and share ideas, which is what Champions is all about. Actually, yeah. around how we collectively move forward, not just in one individual company. Would you say you have quite a different leadership style? to a typical Ooh, great question. male. Do you think that Spark is quite different, you know, having two female leaders as such? Or Look, I think um, every leader, I think, has a different 
approach. I think mine is very much around let's get clear about where we're going and what we're trying to achieve, and then it's about empowering others to make that 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 step up um, and thinking about the power of the team and how we do things mm-hmm. as much as what we're trying to achieve. That's a big focus I've had. So is that different to others? It probably is, but there might be also women who have a different approach to me as as well. So um, I think about it more around what is, what's the leadership that I want to uh, have in our organisation? What's the culture I want to have? And that's what I And what kind of qualities on. would you say stem from your personal approach? I think I'm prepared to listen. I'm very um, approachable, generally. So, uh, really, I'm not getting that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I say so myself, of course. Um, I actually, when I emailed you, and I was like, oh, it's like she'll take weeks to get back. Nervous. You know, like I was like, oh no, no, she won't want to be on our podcast. It and again, so it's, it's like dumbing down. Like you know, it's kind mm. of being like, oh no, no, she won't get back to me. And then, um, yeah, straight away, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, we're all just people. Exactly, um, exactly. Trying to do, and if there's something that I'm passionate about or mm. want to see, and this is it's a particular area that I'm passionate about, um, certainly engage in that. So for me, it's around how do we help people add the things, the tools, the um, experiences, which I talked about that I got the opportunity to do. How do you help people get more of that mm. um, so we're stronger as overall business? So it's about personal development and education and helping people in the areas that maybe they're not super strong in so that they can succeed. Yeah, and, and just having that. Because you can learn a lot of books, and but the reality is most of your actual learning is in job or in experience. So how do you put people in the place where they're adding to that? How are you talking to them about what's the right next thing for them um, and for the business as well? So that's that's been my focus throughout, I suppose, my leadership, even before I got to um, CEO and before I was in... Um, you know, at Spark, I've, I've seen this because I've, I've experienced it myself. Lion had a very good track record of doing that too. Mm, yes, they've got a really good track record of, of gender diversity as well, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I remember I that. I had both my children there and, yeah. and they had great. And that was, you know, my oldest is almost 19. So it's a long time ago. that. Yeah, that, I remember... Um, I mean, it wasn't in a leadership role, but it was straight out of uni and studying for four years. And I was like going to the finance industry and I was like, you know what? I got this. I've studied for four years. This is going to be great. <laughs> Day one, I was like, oh, oh, dear God, I'm so out of my depth. <laughs> like this practical, going from theory to practical. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you, you can you can read about it, you can study about it, but it's actually doing yeah. it and like dealing with people and Yes. Yeah, actually being in a job. Vic's really bad at dealing with people. Yeah. So. <laughs> My people skills. I'm terrible. sure she's not. <laughs> One of the reasons, well, the main reason we wanted to get on the podcast was um, in your first half result, uh, which you released last month, we there was a point in there where you said that the gender pay gap was 22% at Spark, but it had been reduced from 28% yes. for FY, since FY21, so financial year 21. <laughs> Um, so 6% improvement, which is amazing. And what a year's? Oh, over of, a couple of years. Over, over two yeah, years, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of have a chat around fleshing that out a bit more in terms of what you've done to it, what what caused that improvement, what even causes that agenda pay gap like that to happen. Is it the lack of females in a senior leadership role or is it general, like just paying women less? <laughs> is it, yeah, it's kind of because we always talk about the gender pay gap but we don't really unpack it. Unpack it, yeah. yeah. So it'd be great, yeah. Because there's a whole range of things. Mm. I think so. If we start with our um, back in 2019, we decided that we would voluntarily um, disclose our gap, mostly because it was about transparency, and we knew we had work to do in it. But we thought actually going out and setting an example of a company that's not saying they're perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but saying, hey, this is important to us. Mm-hmm. This is where we are. 
we do want to keep moving forward and now let's get a bit of colour as to why are we like that and what, what is it about. So it's a combination of factors. So one of those you touched on in terms of uh, is it around how what roles are people in? So yes, there's a seniority thing, but there's also a um, type of career. So if you think about our organisation, I've got over 5,000 people. I've got a mix of people from contact centres, retail stores, really deep technical expertise, mm -hmm. data and automation, all, all of those types of skills. They have quite different um, salary profiles for those roles. And depending on where people come or what they study at school, etc. So what we see in a lot of the legacy tech and the new tech, a lot of um, male and higher roles, and, and with the experience set, we have more women in some of the contact centre, etc. So you get this immediate, not, not different pay for same role, but if you look at our overall organisation, we have more men in these roles and more women in these roles. And then when you add that, do the median of that, that gives you the difference. That's mm. so interesting because I always thought that it was more people in the same role are just getting kind of shafted. <laughs> we also then needed to look at, um, if we want to see more women, in some of the tech roles, for example, how are we encouraging the pipeline? It's so good to hear such a holistic explanation because I think it makes you, it makes me personally more mad without that contextual understanding that it's actually probably starting from an education standpoint. It's way back to representation in different industries so that more women learn and grow and then enter the workforce into those higher paying roles. It's not as simple as, oh, because of your genitalia, we're actually going to pay you less than the person next to you. You know, it's mm. actually not that simple. Not saying that that may not happen, yeah. but, <laughs> but I think there are much more, there are complex reasons for why. And mm. that, that can sometimes be seen as a reason for not making progress. So we're still very much about making progress, but we know it will take a number of years to get the number of women we'd need to see into some of those roles in a, um, because there's less coming out of university in a particular trade or, or so how do we encourage how do we make it attractive to people like why would you want to come and learn and 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 so it's trying to actually break down some of the barriers to what actually does that job do and it's so true like we even when I was at school like a career in finance was never even touched on it was like doctor accountant you know like and it was this kind of these, you had these pigeonholes and it wasn't I remember even being like getting to university I was like what is management 101 the paper I was like what is a manager you know like I just had no idea and it's kind of if you have even um yeah the opportunity to go into these workplaces and see what people do it's just like oh I might actually be good at that or I might actually be interested in that so yeah that's amazing but it takes every le individual leader mm. to make a change too to, yeah. or not to really be thinking hard about how they're doing these things and why they're doing it I think what would be a really cool thing for us to do, Vic, is to create a salary bracket with all different industries and jobs and showcase that. So if you're a doctor from ages this to this, you could earn between this and this, you know, like actually have almost like a table of reference for different jobs and industries, because I think you're right. There's such a, um, like some people are really driven by money. Some people re like choose to be a lawyer because they want to be really financially secure and they know what that ladder looks like in terms of progression. But because up until now, there's been so many companies that don't have that transparency of level one, two or three, people aren't necessarily maybe making informed choices as to what they want to study and what, what industries they want to go into with all of that knowledge. Yeah. So part of it is a chance to work with schools, to work with education facilities. And a lot of the work we've been doing in Champions is to try and understand how do we do that collectively rather than each of us going with our own program to school. Um, schools have a lot going on, but but it is partly about showcasing what's, what's there and doing it in a more organised way. And so what's your target? 
<laughs> so she's um, a numbers girl. <laughs> by FY twenty five, we've got a target of eighteen percent, so down from the original twenty six, and that just reflects. You know, one percent doesn't sound a huge amount, but when you're trying to move that on five thousand, that is actually a is a big movement in a in a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reality is, for me, it's most important we're moving, and we're we're taking the action to make the shifts. And I said it's a combination both of bringing people in, making sure people are talent is coming through the organisation where it should, opening up positions, and really thinking about um, what is the right next experience for this individual to put them in the best place. Mm, I love that. Super inspiring. Yeah. It's just cool, I think, to hear, um, I don't know, we hear some pretty horrible stories about female bosses being quite unsupportive of their female stuff, which is such an interesting concept to me. Um, But I think just hearing someone in your role who is in a position to actually make a difference to a lot of people's career trajectories and, and financial stability, like it's really amazing to hear like actionable things being put in place to make differences. Um, another thing that we wanted to speak about, so we've got our anonymous salary spreadsheet where a lot of people put their salaries in um, just so that they can compare what other people are on. Uh, based on what you said in terms of the different tiers and different roles, does that mean there's going to be some kind of website or visible part of um, for employees to see what other people at different levels are earning? What we've tried to do is with the contribution models be clear about what you earn at a different level. What we don't have, I think, is what you're talking about is a broader spreadsheet. I mean, that has pluses and minuses too. Like I well, think yeah, because I was going to yeah, ask about that. It's em- quite funny, isn't it? For employees and em- employers around mm-hmm. that because there is still colour and context to understand with it. That's not to hide from a point of view of that's why we feel strongly about disclosing things like the gender pay gap and things to try and and we look to continue to increase every year we're adding something different or some different part of our organization because it's also not only gender as a focus too mm. there's different ethnicities and things like that so we, totally. we're, we're focusing more and more around if we want to be an inclusive and um, culture which I believe we are how do we continue to to role model that. But you've also got to make sure you really understand what you're doing when you're starting to, <laughs> what does, and it does, it sounds like it comes a lot down to data, but it does in a way, really understanding what's happening in your organisation, how do you move that, what, if it's not appealing to certain parts of our community, why isn't that and what are we doing about it? Mm. Which we started with gender, now we're looking more broadly within that as well to understand more about that. That's great, yeah. It's how kind amazing. of, it's kind of like when you look at boards and, you know they've got they've got a target of a certain number of females to be on that board and or you look at a board and they've got you know one female that they're trophying or you know and it's like that's just such tokenism and it's like no you should be really encouraging more females to be to be on boards or to be in senior leadership positions not just having a female there as a box tick you want it to be you know the reason behind having diversity is because you make better decisions and you can see the world in a much you know holistic way holistic well, way so it's, it's yeah. interestingly proven that businesses perform better mm. when they have a more diverse um, group of people within their organization and I think that there's been many many studies done on that so really it's then okay so what does it What's the process? How do you actually go about doing that in a more considered way? Mm. So your point, so it isn't around um, we've been able to say yes to this and take 
something. It's actually about standing back and saying, what do we think that looks like in our organisation? So for us, we talk about 40, 40, 20. So 40% female, 40% male, and 20% of either gender. So we're not, so sometimes it might be more one way or than the other, but there's an ambition that we have that throughout there's our whole organisation. as well. You yes, know, which is why I say any gender. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I wasn't trying to call you out. I was just meaning like there is also that now where I, I feel like it's really been. Um, I think a lot of people who maybe turned a blind eye to that whole section of society for a long time. You know, I remember when Caitlyn Jenner came out on television mm. at saying that she's transitioned to being a female and identifying as a woman. And we all, I mean, it's it's so terrible to think about now, but it was almost, it wasn't a joke, but people just didn't get it. It wasn't seen in media. And so I think now it's just so amazing to have people in these roles like yourself who are so aware of all people and you want all people to have an opportunity to work in a job that they're going to be great at and then therefore the business is going to benefit from. So it's just like, yeah, it's so cool to hear. And do you think, I guess, what, another thing that we have is an anonymous parental leave spreadsheet. Yes. Um, all the anonymous all, 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 all the spreadsheets. <laughs> um, no, but we, we did this because, you know, one of the key reasons that women aren't, there isn't enough women in senior leadership roles is because of the lack of support, you know, when they go and have children. And you said before that you've you've got children. So I'm really interested to hear your journey through you know, being progressing through your career while also trying to yeah. juggle being a mother as well, and, and what kind of policies are in place at Spark, and or what what do you think the support that is needed for for females to progress? yeah? So maybe I'll start with my own personal experience. Mm. So I wasn't at Spark then, but I was at um, at Lion. Uh, so I had um, my. F- Oh, first child back in 2004, Sam. And uh, I hey, had. <laughs> Shout out. I had, um, I think, 12 weeks full pay as if I was sitting at my desk on maternity leave. And then obviously you could have that extended um, leave out through to a year, but obviously not on, on full pay. But that made a huge difference to. And then this was before the days of sort of government contributing to mm-hmm. anything and to, to do with maternity leave. But it made a huge difference to kind of how we set ourselves up. And actually my husband stopped um, working when Sam was – when I I went back at, say, six months, and, and um, he he stopped working then and helped support because we – our children were born very close together. There's only 16 months between them. Ooh, wow. That would have but, been a <laughs> full-on few <laughs> years. <laughs> so the reality is um, – but what Lion also did was – promoted me into a role while I was on maternity leave, held the role open for six months and then moved me into a role so I could simulate back in for a few months and then move into that. And and that role that I moved into as a commercial director in um, Australian beer business really probably gave me a lot of the experience. You know, I talk about experiences you need when you move into it. it provided that opportunity. So it was really influential about when it happened, how it happened in terms of... And so I think... When you think that's almost twenty years ago now, that's mm. quite um, amazing. It's well. amazing, and so I also think you're just a gun at whatever job. You're no. obviously <laughs> incredibly talented. <laughs> no, oh. I, I mean I do recognise like what I had, the support I had, and I had mm. great family support. When I talked about earlier, everybody needs people around them, whatever the model is, whether that's you know nanny's party support model, extended family, other things. Nobody can do it by themselves. Mm. So how do you actually find that? Um, and then if I think about Spark, we just reviewed our parental um, leave policy and what we've done is extend that to 100% of our base pay at um, the 26 weeks you know on top of the with the government. Um, Sorry can you explain that again? I must so, so basically you get 26 weeks at 100, 100% of your 
base pay and then your secondary carer. So if you're the secondary carer, you get four weeks leave as well. How cool. So they can stay at home for a whole month with the Yeah, to help support, yeah. And then secondly, uh, we also looked at how... Sorry, the current government contribution for for maternity or sorry parental leave is 26 weeks but not at your full pay it's a certain amount whereas we will make it up to 100% of that base oh so you make the difference from the okay got it yeah um and the second thing we do is when you come back to work for the first three months you'll work 80% 80% of your hours for 100% of your pay so that you can get to come back into work. So whatever you decide that is, if you were full-time and then you wanted to go to part-time, obviously that'd be prorated. But the reality is what it's recognising is that transition back um, is, you know, can be challenging and can, and you, everyone in the family needs to be able to manage that well. So it's trying to allow not only financially for people to be secure, we also contribute to KiwiSaver for the whole time you're on your um, oh, maternity leave as might well. Oh, just fall off a chair with that. Yes. Just a big KiwiSaver advocate. <laughs> and then we also um, help with support too in terms of from a coaching point of view when you're coming back in. So we've just Do upgraded. Do jobs available at the moment? Yes. <laughs> wow. Come and speak to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm always no, looking for great talent. <laughs> oh, funny. I've got my CV right here. <laughs> no, we'll do 27 weeks full pay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, my boyfriend, don't worry, it's a while away. So one of the things about supporting women in leadership is also around how well you support their, you know, partners as well. Yeah. So that's also why it's important that it's a parental leave Mm. policy. And not a maternal leave. Yeah, yeah, and trying to encourage um, men to take, if they can, and and that's an opportunity for them, and that's something they want to do, then it's trying to support that as well. We actually had a really interesting statistic that um, it takes – 10 years on average for a female to get back to her previous earning capacity once she has children, which is kind of deemed the motherhood penalty, um, which for me, I'm just like, that's absolutely mind boggling considering, you know, females are the only gender that can have children. You know, it's not like we have a choice here. And and so it's, yeah, I'm just kind of baffled that there's not much, much more support out there for yeah, yeah, so I think there's that initial financial support, but then there's also the what's the opportunities. Mm. And I gave that example of being promoted onto a role while I was on maternity leave. Um, that sends you know a really clear signal about what people think about your talent and realise that it's for a period of time that you may not be in the business and then you're coming back and how do they help you? Uh, talent's sort of longer term, isn't it? It's not mm. about a short-term part. So it's also thinking about how we manage work um, for people to give them that balance if, uh, and still have really interesting roles. It's so hard though to think, I mean, gosh, I mean, it's just Vic and I currently <laughs> employed, but it's. It, I also understand, this might be controversial, but I understand how hard it would be for a business too to have, you know, someone incredible that you really desperately want to have in a particular role and then they have a year off and then they come back for three months and then they have a year off. Like it would be really hard to, mm-hmm. to balance what is fair and also what, a business needs and hard financially for smaller businesses versus larger businesses so yes. it's yeah, kind that, of yeah but I think that's around having um good conversations around with your leader or whomever is running your business and has that relationship with you around what and you don't always know too when you mm. first go on to how long you want to be away or different components of that so it is a little bit about finding your way there but I think the only thing you can really do is have some honest conversations about what you're looking for what does the business need because you're right in a small business it's very hard to have a period out so how we manage that is look at whether we con someone into the role for the period of time so you give someone else a learning experience while that person's away Mm. Um, that may be one way of doing it 
but there is also sort of temporary, you know, whether it's contract and that, but that does require give and take on both sides. So I think it's trying to find that that medium. So when I go on paternity leave, you can be... Paternity. Paternity. Are you transitioning? <laughs> parental leave. When I go on parental leave, no, you can be seconded into head of finance. Oh, yeah. good yeah. God, no. Yeah. I'd rather resign. <laughs> Absolutely will not be happening. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I, I would love to ask one final question because I realise all of us are sweating because yeah, this is a very, very hot, hot studio. Um, <laughs> but I would just love to ask, I think this is a very rare opportunity for people listening and also for us to hear... Just any kind of, I mean, you've already given so many words of wisdom, but if you were talking to, you know, a younger woman wanting to find themselves in a place like you are, do you have any just like, it could be super cheesy, it can be real generic. I just think it would be think, really valued. Yeah, if, I, if I was talking to my younger self, I think um, believe in yourself more. Um, we talked about the things, we can always focus on what we're not, but actually believe, I talked about owning You've got to own what you want to achieve and be confident in that. We're not always going to get everything right, but that's okay. Um, and take some, do take risk. Think about where you, I think about going to the edge of the precipice and looking across and thinking about, because at, at your best, not where you're completely out of your comfort zone, but where you have a level of stretch and what you need to do. Um, and make sure you have fun on the way through. Mm. That would be the biggest thing I would say is... Um, Life, a lot happens in life. What is it? Live to work, don't yeah. work to live. Stop, and, don't run the whiteboards at this time. <laughs> so there are the things probably that are um, um, on, on my mind. And I look, and I do look at the generations that are coming through now, and I think I've got a 17-year-old daughter as well as my son, and I just think I really want them to have the opportunities and, and, and not to have to be a conversation like we're having here today. But until we are not having those conversations, then we have a role to play in leading um, and certainly I take that seriously as one of the few women in um, CEO roles in I think this one of the biggest things I've taken away from this conversation actually is the importance of helping people, like giving them a leg up, giving mm. them a hand up, wherever you can, extending whatever knowledge or help you can to those who are striving for something similar to you. And because you never forget that as well. If you've been if you've been helped or, you know, pushed a little bit or, you know, you're forever thankful and you kind of have such quite a special relationship. And you tend to deliver way more mm. than yeah. was ever asked <laughs> I don't want to let them down. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you recognise that someone's gone out of their way mm. to actually back you. And that that's really important. Everyone needs to feel like they've got someone who's in their corner. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I feel really inspired. Thank you so much yeah, for coming. Thank, thank you for having me. I yeah. hope you feel like you've had your sauna session for the yeah, day. I have. <laughs> and I'm you know, I'm really excited to see what you continue to do with this. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Raising the Curve. Please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And we would also love for you to share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from it. For more information about The Curve and how you can learn more, head to thecurve.co.nz or find us on socials at the underscore curve nz.